I think we're up. Okay, I think we are live. All right, uh, what's up? On the air. Yeah, we are, we are live, man. Uh, welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host, my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement. What's up, Bill Cannon? I'm doing well, man. You know, I'm, I'm so sick of this weather though already, man. I, I wish I was down in Florida, you know. I won't even go down there till I get that vaccine. But because I'm one year too too early, yeah, that's right. I'll be 65 next year, but I might be dead by from COVID by then, you know. And uh, I can't get, you know, could you believe they don't give preference to 9-11 first responders to get this vaccine? Kind of crazy. It is crazy. What's uh, wrong with Cuomo? Cuomo, what the fuck is wrong with you? you know? Andrew evilized Cuomo. What's that? Andrew evilized Cuomo. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he got he got the vaccine and everyone in his crew got it, right? He's Dr. Goebbels. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> his, captain, we... his captain is... is, is... Hey, why don't we introduce our guests? Oh, I was going to do that later. Special, <laughs> we have two special guests tonight. Um, both of them are retired members of the service. Uh, we have Kevin McConville. Did I say that right? All right. That's great. All right. He's a retired MTA police chief. He's a uh, director of security at a New York Presbyterian hospital. Uh, and now he's running for Putnam County Sheriff. And we also have Bob Heyer. Correct. Uh, he's a retired NYPD police officer. He was also a PBA delegate. He's now a certified minister working with a homeless ministry. Should I better watch and my language, man? I was cursing like a sailor before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's currently running for uh, Kent City Council in Putnam County. Correct. Welcome aboard, gentlemen. Uh, the election is uh, November 2021, but you guys are starting early. I like that, man. You and guys got a lot of campaigning to do. This a long time, a long time out, right? Yeah, but there's certain um, steps in the process in order to get um, endorsed by the county or the the town committees, and then uh, go around, travel around, and meet people in different uh -huh. organizations and stuff. So you got to shake hands and kiss babies and all of that shit, right? As best we can under these conditions, yeah. <laughs> I ain't kissing no COVID baby. <laughs> We're gonna let us shake hands, you know. That's right. You gotta wear your mask, you know. <laughs> so, uh, what what is it like uh, out of the city, Putnam County? Just for our listeners that aren't from New York, then so we have a lot of listeners that aren't even from the United States. Um, Putnam County is located in New York State, and how far would you say it's out of New York City? Over an hour? Yeah, it's about 55 miles, maybe 60 tops. Okay, so... If you talk to a real estate agent, Mark, no matter how many miles you are, it's an hour, right? Yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah, 80 yeah. miles outside the city, it's still only an hour. <laughs> so, um, I would imagine it's pretty nice up there? Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Suburban, uh, it's um, population is about 98,000 people. And the county's sandwiched between Westchester and Dutchess. I see that you neighbor uh, Connecticut too, don't you, Dan Barry? Yep. Yes, yes. And um, how's, uh, what's the living life? I mean, is there much crime up there? No, you know, the pandemic, um, there was an article written recently by uh, Chief of Police in Saugerties, New York, and um, he gives a good explanation why crime is down. Um, 
Yes, it starts off with it's all white people. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pandemic has had a lot of influence on it, but Putnam's had um, several spikes. They've had a lot of motor vehicles stolen and a lot of larcenies from motor vehicles. Right? Twenty-five cars were stolen and high-end, you know, pretty much high-end cars, you know, value. Hey, Bob, Bob, you worked in uh, Midtown South, right? Yeah, Midtown South for At, 10 years, then the 2-6 and District 20. Oh, Mark was in the 2-6 squad for a while. Yeah. What year he were you in the 2-6? He probably didn't talk to me when he walked by, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what year were you in the 2-6? Uh, right before 9-11. So, I, you know, off the top of my head, I'm going to say 98, 98, 99, 2000. Yeah, I got there somewhere around the blackout. I was in the Warren squad during uh, 9-11. And then um, I probably stayed there another year and a half. And then we all got pretty much bounced. If you didn't have a monster hook, you got bounced. And I got bounced out. I went to the 2-4 first. And I spent uh, six months there, maybe eight months, nine months. And then I went to the 2-6. And hey, now, uh, Bob, you're a minister now, right? Correct. Yep. Ordained minister. Wow, is that for tax purposes or for religious purposes? No, actually, I probably I probably owe more taxes now. No, uh, when I long story short, I did the twenty years on the job. Uh, I moved up here to get my uh, daughter; she was going to go to high school in Queens. Uh, so it was either buy a condo or townhouse in Queens or Catholic high school. I couldn't afford both, so uh, I took her to. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Newtown High School and. And it's like Elmhurst of Queens, I believe. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. So I pulled her in front of there because she wanted to go to public high school. And I just sat there for about an hour and I let her watch everybody coming in and out. And I said, that's who you're going to be going to school with. And she said, all right, I'll, I'll move upstate with you. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it was bad. She would have never survived. You know, she's a beautiful girl. She looks she looks like a model. And they would have just ate her up. So we went to Putnam County and uh, she went to Carmel High School, regular, normal, you know, suburban uh, high school. And she did well. And now she owns her own business in Danbury, actually. Wow. Uh, so that's why we moved up there. And then after that, uh, like everybody else, I was a hard charger, collars for dollars. You know, uh, I was in Midtown South for 10 years. And he, it, it was it was like the Charles Darwin could go back there and you could find the missing link. It, it was, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the bush. I grew up in Bushwick, Brooklyn in the 70s and 80s, which would be the 83. And it was really bad. I, you know, at one point I was like the only white person living in the entire neighborhood. And uh, so when I went, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, when I was in the academy, I had no hook. So, you know, the, a couple months into the academy, they ask you uh, your uh, dream sheet. They give you, they tell you to list three or four commands to go to. So I, I had no hook. So I lived in the A3. So I put the 7-9, the 7-5, and the 7-7 down. The lieutenant, brings, <laughs> the lieutenant calls me in. This guy, I never forget him. His name is Lieutenant Banano. Calls me in, yanks me into his office. Now I'm terrified. I think I'm getting fired, you know. I'm losing my job. I'm 28 years old, not even a half. I came on the job when I was 20 years old in one month. So he goes, he has me stand in attention. He's asking me, what, what the hell's wrong with you, kid? No <laughs> idea what he's talking about. I go, listen, I want to go there. Cause I said, listen, I live in a shithole. I might as well just, you know, I could walk there, take uh -huh. the bus, whatever. I don't mind. You know, I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm actually, I, I feel at home here. And so he goes, he goes, you're never going to go to Brooklyn. You're gonna, and so they, they actually sent me to uh, NSU two, which would have been uh, the low East side, the fighting ninth. So I went there. Then I went to the South. Uh, but how I became a minister, uh, everything I've seen, everything I've done, I was raised a Catholic. I was de de definitely disillusioned uh, by the Catholic Church and all the shenanigans they're doing. And uh, I went to church. I went to a Baptist church and I found the Lord. Pretty simple. And you, uh, 
Can you sing those Baptist tunes? You know, like the... I, if I sang the Baptist tunes, they could have church. But nobody would like gospel. That. Can you sing gospel? No. We had a great singer on our show, the last show, Michael Devine. You know who he is? His name sounds familiar. I'm not sure. Well, he's an actor, but he's a great singer. He's an Irish tenor. The guy is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we should have had him sing at your church. Hey, uh, <laughs> let me ask you, since both of you guys are up there, I'm curious about this. Did the opioid epidemic get up there? Oh, absolutely. Bad. Bad. Let Kevin jump in on that. Yeah, very bad. It's it, There have been a, a number of deaths, you know, a significant number, somewhere in the area of 35, 40 plus deaths. Um, and then, you know, the, when the pandemic came along, it, it quieted down, but because everything was a COVID death, right. you know, they were just, you know, mass lumping them into all that category. But drugs are a, are a problem in our community. You know, the, it seems like um, because in New York City, you don't notice the opioid epidemic. Um, you, you have your obviously you have your junkies. You know, and I don't know, you can't even really tell who's uh, on heroin or who's on synthetic heroin. But, you know, it just it does. It's not like when you go up and you start hitting rural areas, you start seeing like, you know, just zombies walking around. Right. It's it's like the heroin nod. Remember the heroin nod? The yeah, nod? yeah, exactly. That's my yeah, that's what I'm saying. Weeble wobbles. Remember yeah. the weeble wobbles? They used to call it the methadone bop, you know, yeah, yeah. like they could. The head could almost scrape the sidewalk, but it would never fall down, right? It was a methadone clinic. It's still there, right in the corner of Midtown South, 3 5 and on 8th Avenue. Wow. The South must be going back to its old days. Uh, you know, that was like Robbery Central, Midtown South. Midtown South was the greatest place to work in, in the 80s, early 90s. Uh, if you could walk a foot post there, you could, and I mean this very respectfully, you could, you could. Talk to anybody in the world, have a conversation with anybody, take any work, any job you you uh, they give you, even after after the job, you you run it you run into everybody, all types of walks of life, thousands of people out there, all kinds of freaks. It it was like it <laughs> you're was not like, allowed to say that. Have you read the new discipline matrix of fifty four yeah. pages? You I was talk a like of- that. You know, remember the old acronym for CCRB fade? It's now FADO, F A D O. It's offensive it de- language, not ethnic slurs. I was so a delegate that's offensive to me. <laughs> I was a delegate in two different commands, you know, and uh, every time I went to the trial room, it was because of that, you know, defending the guys or whatever, doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, if you if you took every every circus in their freak show and just dumped it in a two block, three block radius, that's what it was. I mean, you could have people shot in one corner going across the street and somebody shot it right. Across, I mean, I'm talking about 100 yards away. And then you go back and the body's gone. The guy's dead. They took him. What did they throw him? You know, people walking down the street. Did you guys see that recent video of the the robbery team that went into that high end store? Chanel and just cleared. Yeah, Chanel just cleared it out of one hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of high end merchandise. That's going to happen all the time now. You know what the difference is? They they just get an appearance ticket, and we'll see. Maybe we'll see in a couple months. Exactly. The difference between now and then was if you had the foot post on Fifth Avenue, you would have taken your nightstick, jammed it in the door, called an 85, and just beat everybody on the way out. <laughs> no, it would yeah, have been so nice a couple of them had guns, it. though. Yeah. They didn't the display them, but they, they showed the security guard. One of, the, one of, them. One of them, I think, displayed it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it seems to be the way they're doing the robberies now. Just going in there with like, you know, 10, 15 people. And just taking everything, and they're not allowed to stop them. If you work in those stores, 
you go to training and you're not allowed to stop them. You're like, hey, don't do that. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> but you know, it, it kills me because I, I, in 1988, I was in street crime, citywide anti-crime. We used to go to the South all the time. And the big thing back then was Wolfpack robberies. Yep. That's what we used to call them. And then they said, oh, that's politically incorrect. Call them disorderly groups, you know? No, they're fucking wolves. You know, there's like, there's 30, 40 of them just attacking people and robbing them. So we would just call all the street crime units together and boom, we, we'd get like 20 under, you know? I'll tell you a, a quick true story. Street crime, 1988, February. Uh, I got like eight months on the job. Some, some mutt punches a cop on the street, runs into a theater. So we block off the back of the theater. Uh, Lieutenant from street crime, I'm not gonna say his name on here, but you probably, he was the sergeant with you guys, good guy. He calls street crime, street crime pulls up, right? They open up the, the trunks of their car, they tell the boss, Captain Ali was there. He was uh, the Times Square captain. Yeah, I remember he used to work midnights on the yeah, deuce. Yeah, I yeah. walked the foot post with him, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was 20, 30 years old than me, but we walked the foot post. Uh, these guys pop out. They tell the lieutenant, tell Captain Ali, listen, we're not making no collars. You understand that? These, these are all cops, no bosses. They pop open the back of the trunk. They take out Louisville sluggers. They went <laughs> in there. And I'm not kidding around. They jacked up, I don't know, 30 people lying in the lobby of the theater. Next thing you know, there's mounted cops running in the, in the theater playing polo with these guys. Not one collar was made. Not one collar was made. But you know what? You could walk down the block. We own, we own the block. That's called street justice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. We used to tell people to take their collars off walking down the block. We used to make them take their collars off. Can you imagine that today? That's amazing. That, that's truly amazing. And you know what's great? Talking about colors. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the... Be hey, hey, Bill, can you bring up the... Um... Yeah, I'm going to bring it up now. I'll share the screen and... We're going to do a commercial. There you go. We have a sponsor. There you go. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Okay, listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City Hot Sauce is made with, uh, in small batches with pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City Hot, hot Sauce. There's several flavors from mild to wild. You got to see the labels. Each sauce features awesome original artwork. And I got some for you. I'll show it to you in a second. Um, please do me a favor. Check it out. Uh, go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. You can make your buffalo wings with that uh, for, uh, what is it, eight days away for uh, opening of baseball season? <laughs> enter coupon code. Well, pitchers and catchers anyway. Uh, please enter the uh, coupon code OTC, which stands for off the cuff, the abbreviation OTC for a 15% discount. And wait, there's more. Uh, you also get a free bottle of cherry sriracha. And... Uh, if you want to pull down that picture, I'll just show you some of this incredible artwork that's on this. And I've had three out of five of them. And uh, wait a minute, let me go. Oh, looks good. It's really, really cool. Yeah, we're on the way to making our first million uh, on this show, you know. This well, uh, Jeff Levine, he, he, uh, he was a fan of the show. We've had quite a few people that wanted to sponsor us, but we were given the information and it went nowhere. But we're taking care of this ourselves from now on and we just want to make sure that uh you know we get the word out there and it's a really good hot sauce 
I don't know if you guys are into hot sauce, but I put it on pretty much everything. I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, this He's like stuff. Hillary Clinton. He carries around in his, uh, his, his, <laughs> his little pocketbook there. You know? I'm, eating, I'm eating a lot of like, I'm eating a very clean diet right now. I had to, I had to stop eating all the, um, all the stuff because uh, my stomach was killing me. And the only savior that I have is the hot sauce right now. Uh, listen, I just want to shout out to some of our live chatters. Uh, some of our fans from uh, subscribers from YouTube. Anna Celia Casorso, Cheryl Lynn, Heather Mogul, Richella Pranzo. Oh, she's our biggest fan. Cat in the Hat, how are you? Peter Pranzo, the husband and wife team. They're our two greatest fans. MC's Audio, Mike, how are you? And Heather, you're still there. Lisa Marie, um, Blondie, 1025, Dawn Marie. And Ryan Investigative Group, of course, he's one of our biggest fans, too. Thank you guys for supporting us. Now we're going to go back to our show after hey, that brief on, little man. announcement. Hey, Blondie, uh, 1025 Cat, I want to send the super chat. Can't see that I can do it here. Any idea how you can do that? Oh, my <laughs> I God. I can explain that to Blondie. Please do us a favor. <laughs> super chat is uh, something that comes with YouTube where people can actually uh, send us money. You throw money at you like you're a stripper. And we uh, we are dancing monkeys here. We'll take it. We're working really hard and on, on a tight budget. So let's get uh, let's talk about what you're running for up there in Putnam County. Now, Bob, you're running for uh, city council, and Kevin, you're running for the sheriff's department. And both of those are obviously uh, you know elected positions. What's your competition like? What's the strategy? What are you looking to do up there? Change? What needs to be fixed? Who wants to go first? Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you go first. Right. Okay, thanks. Um, well, there's a lot that needs to be changed. They need some leadership. They need some direction. They uh, there are an awful lot of good men and women in that sheriff's department that work what they call the road patrols. How so big is it? It's uh, about 170 people. Um, and what are they called? Deputy sheriffs? Deputy sheriffs. And then the other 85 members are called correction, deputy sheriff correction officers because they run the jail. And that's the primary role of a sheriff in a, in a county in New York State is the jail. And if the, if the legislature, the county legislature sees fit to give them funds to, uh, to uh, have a road patrol, then they have a road patrol. Do you have a regular police department as well? Um, there are two towns in, in Putnam County. There are six total. Two towns have full-time police agencies, the town of Kent and the town of Carmel. And Carmel, I think, is about 35 members right now. Kent is about 32, 33. And, um, and then you have two part-time agencies that are filled primarily by retired NYPD guys and other members of uh, agencies. And that's the village of Cold Spring. You know Detective Pat? Pardon me? You know Detective Pat? <laughs> oh, Porteous works in Somers. He was a guy oh, that worked with us for years. He's in uh, this... I, know, I know Porteous. Porteous has a whole family of cops. His, his son's a state yeah. trooper. Right. Greg Porteous uh, was a state trooper. And Bill another Porteous... brother who's an inspector on the NYPD, I think, or a cousin. And Bill Porteous was, was with the sheriff's department. Wow. He, yeah. That's yeah, a big family in law enforcement, yeah. It's like that uh, that movie next to Kin, you know. 
So they, they need leadership. They need a, they need a mission statement and uh, they need someone who supports them. Uh, they're, they're not getting support from their current administration. Um, so I want to change that and, and restore them to being a premier law enforcement agency, not only in Putnam County, but in the state as well. And uh, Bob, how about you? You're running for city council. What, what, what do you see wrong? What, what do you want to fix? Well, I, I want to, there's four uh, town council spots. Two are available, two are currently just became open. I, I, ju I jumped in the town of Kent, the Republican committee a couple of years ago, because I didn't want to be one of these guys that look, pull a lever down and say, who is this person that I'm voting for? So I actually just, to get involved and see what was going on. That's how I was, I met Kevin, uh, became friends with Kevin. Kevin is a gentleman and a scholar. So he won't get into uh, the current leadership there, but I think I can lean on it a little bit. Just pick your, your worst summons cop in any command in New York City, and that's the current sheriff now. Uh, the guy couldn't find a collar in a Chinese shirt factory. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so Kevin, you know, MTA chief, he's got all the credentials. He's, he's going to win, and uh, he's going to do a great job. Uh, the reason I jumped in to the city count, to town council is every – the Blasio's policies and Cuomo, evil eyes Cuomo's policies are making all these liberal West Side people move out, move out and move up here to the suburbs. And I don't want to, you know, I got maybe 10 or 15 years left, maybe 20 years left up here. I don't know yet. I don't want these people, you know, going purple and voting their liberal, their values here. This is a, a lot of cops live here, retired active firemen, uh, really good, hardworking people. And these lefties and these nuts, which it's a truth. I'm not even, you know, it sounds funny, but they're all trying to get out of New York City because of the policies, but they're going to vote and, and put the same policies back up here, which is insane. You know, That's what is the difference of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, you know? That's an interesting point you bring up because it seems like there's a lot of people fleeing, not only, uh, you know, moving from New York City to upstate, but also fleeing states, yeah. you know, going from California to Texas, uh, you know, a million people. And all of a sudden, they're going to flip the state, and they're going to bring the same shit that they just left yeah. over to this other state. They don't. It doesn't. They well, don't. You know what? I, I don't want to run. I want to actually fight. I don't want to run. I'm not. I'm not one to run. Like we, we all here. We're all on the job. We all ran towards the danger. We never ran away from it. So you know what? I'm not going to run away from these 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 weirdos and these lefties that want to change our val change my values. You know that that's why I moved up here. That's why I took my daughter out of out of Queens so she could live up here. Without, without these, these, these nuts, they're, they're legitimate nuts, without a doubt. <laughs> you know? Bob makes a really good point, and that's why we became such good friends. We're tired of you know putting up with this nonsense. We're going to stick around, and we're going to fight. We're going to fight really hard and keep our values and our communities uh, safe and secure. Now, uh, go ahead, Bill. No, I was just going to say, we had a, um, a guest on, uh, Nancy Rommelman, who's a writer, and she spent five months in Portland uh, to write a story on Antifa. And one of the, the commonalities is why these groups get away with it is there's no pushback from the citizenry. The citizens in Portland, are, are, well, I hate the word progressive because it just really means extreme leftist, you know, and they're all progressive. So they let these people occupy their neighborhood, destroy their neighborhood, and they don't do anything about it because they somewhat support these people. You know, that's a very valid point. We, um, without getting into a long story, we kind of experienced that here where I live just recently. And, and we, we started fighting back. We said, we're not going to take this. This is crap. 
and and you know, we're not going to be quiet anymore. And the minute we started fighting back, they they we ran them over. They they just stopped with their nonsense. That's what she claimed. She goes, when they get any pushback, they they surrender. They disappear. Yeah. yeah. It's true. You know, over the summertime, there was some groups going out to Merrick, Long Island, which is a pretty affluent um, Jewish community. And apparently they they were going to planning on doing some damage out there. And then they I think they were told, listen, if you do anything like that, there's a lot of retired cops and cops out here. They're not going to let you do that. So guess what? They didn't do it, you know, yeah. but they were told. You're gonna have you're gonna have resistance, and you're gonna have armed resistance too. So they didn't do it. You know, it's a shame though that the government doesn't protect its people. That's really the shame. Well, government should step in and say, "Hey, you're entitled to protest, but here are the rules. You cross that line, you're all under arrest. We're not going to put up with the nonsense." And and government in Putnam, the government wants to, but law enforcement didn't. You know, the particular agency that we're that i'm running for did not do that they acquiesced and you know that's a that's wrong we're supposed to be neutral how many all of us we were always taught don't take sides take the side of the law and that's it no matter what your personal beliefs were and and you don't see that anymore you have you have guys in in leadership positions you know putting their own beliefs at the forefront and that's not right no you know, what's interesting, too, is um, especially under the Cuomo lockdown, there were situations like Thanksgiving where he imposed some rule, some nonsense. And then different sheriff's department. I don't know whether Putnam was involved in it, but I just know different sheriffs decided that they were going to make an announcement and said, listen, we're not going along with that. We're not going to enforce that law. And uh, so, for example, like in New York City, we had a bar owner who decided in Staten Island that he was going to stay open and call his place an autonomous zone. And rather than have the local cops come in and, you know, arrest them or do whatever they, they, you know, follow, they knew they weren't going to do it. So, you know, they went around the other way and they had, I don't know whether it's our sheriffs, which aren't the same as yours or New York city. sheriffs. Yeah. Or whether it was, um, I forget what the other, it was the sheriff's department, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, they sent them in to to uh, to lock the guy up. It's 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 so weird how you know the backhand. It's so ruthless. It's disgusting, really. Well, you know what it was. It's because they they made New York a sanctuary state, so they weren't going to allow. Well, even the mayor wouldn't allow the NYPD to assist ICE. And now, if you've been paying attention, ICE is like they've been deballed. Put it that way. <laughs> They can't do their job, period. They're, they're not letting them do their job. So the, the, the administration up here came out with a regurgitation of what the rule was. And then it was it was lengthy. And then he said, I trust everybody to to do the right thing. He should have stood up like a lot of other sheriffs in, in New York State and said, look, I'm not enforcing that. That's unconstitutional, period. That's ridiculous. If you you know what families want to get together, look at all the the uh, ancillary problems that are caused by this depression. People, you know, grandparents not being able to spend time not with just their family, with their grandkids, which keep them going. And then the interaction between a grandchild and a grandparent to, to learn about life 
and and to have fun, just to have some freaking fun yeah. is not happening. And we're really putting everybody in danger with this. And and it's it's silly. We we're we're just complying without any questions, without any thoughts. Yeah, the numbers don't add up. I mean, I and, and I'm talking from somebody who had friends that have died from it. Um, you know, my heart goes out to them, my, their families, and I believe it's a thing. It's it's a horrible, horrible uh, pandemic that's happened to us. But you know, we have to kind of sort of find the balance, and our leadership in this state hasn't been able to find that balance. They've been heavy on the um, on uh, separating families, especially like funerals. What uh, about nursing homes? Yeah, nursing homes. And parents you can't go visit them. Yeah, and then not only that, but they're stuffing they're, they're stuffing people with corona. They're tested positive and, and are suffering from corona. They're, st- they're putting them in a nursing home. Meanwhile, you know, we had the barge on the West Side Highway there. We, I mean, we're talking about we could have housed a thousand corona patients there. Never once use it, set it on its way. I don't understand what the what this guy was thinking about putting them in the nursing homes. And now he won't even come close to saying, okay, listen, maybe I messed up a little bit, you know, and nothing. All he has to do is say, oh, I was following the federal mandate. Nobody told you to put those people in there. Those words don't exist in his vocabulary. You have the USS Hope. And you had the Javits Center, and he failed to take advantage of any of them. He, in essence, his actions endangered. You know, I agree with you. My wife's a, a nurse, and and she tells me every day, you know, what she's seeing and what she's dealing with, and it's it's heartbreaking. People are dying as a result of this, but to do some of the things that the government is doing, you know, particularly Albany, and then denying it is ridiculous. So those 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 who cares? They died. A lot of freaking people care. There's 12,000 people attached to them, minimally, and on a one-to-one, they care that those people... Yeah, ask him where his mother Matilda was during this, you know? They didn't have... <laughs> Listen. Cuomo, they didn't have Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo is a third-rate Nazi. He, if he was back in 1938, <laughs> he wouldn't even be... He'd be at the bottom of the barrel. De Blasio is a, is a socialist. He should be swimming in the beaches of uh, Cuba. Uh, what happened in Staten Island with that bar owner, they should... They should leave and go to France. It should become part of France. I, I run uh, security for the last 15 years in Midtown Manhattan. What these two, what these two fools have done is literally ripped the guts and heart out of New York. I mean, I run security for like t- buildings that are 20, 30, 40 stories. You know, five, 15, 20,000 people at a not 20,000, excuse me, five to 10,000 people at a time are in the building. There's less than 100 people in these buildings every day, and it's not coming back. Everything is closed. EDPs are running all over the street. Uh, criminals, mutts are running all over the street. And the homeless, they're not even in the street anymore. They're inside hotels. So what, what de Blasio, I don't think Cuomo is, but I think de Blasio's goal is, and OC, the congressman from Queens, is there's such like socialists, they, they want these billionaires to give up the buildings and actually house homeless people and take them over. Like what they did in, uh, you know, in, in Russia and uh, Moscow, and excuse me, in Poland and stuff like that, in Yugoslavia. They're just—they're really, really bad, evil, evil people. This is like no joke whatsoever. It's a shame what's happening. It's, no, it's- I've, heard, I've heard some. I haven't been in. The, well, I was in the city uh, last week. I was in Brooklyn, but just to have a dinner. But I haven't been going in there steadily. And I've heard horror stories from people about uh, exactly what you're describing. Yeah. You know, the Hyatt hotels, the Marriott—they're shut. They have like three people working in there. Right? One person around the clock. 
you know, to make sure the boil was lit or whatever. Yeah. You know, the theaters, the theaters are, uh, I, I, I believe this is an accurate statement. I think the theaters, because they operate seven days a week, two to three times a day, a show. I think they make, they bring in more money than uh, baseball and basketball together because they're, you know, 365 days a year, pretty much. Or right. 364. That's been shut down a year. It's going to be shut down another year. Everything that goes along with it, with the food business and you know, everything, it's it's done. Well, so, even a New York City restaurant, I, I believe it was just announced that Friday they can reopen, but at 25%. You can't pay a New York City rent at 25% restaurant capacity. You can't do it. Hey, uh, I wanted to say, uh, Mary Swampy, some of your listeners are what you might consider a liberal, but don't believe in destructive protests or defunding the police, just uh, FYI. And you know what, Mary? Um, Bill will tell you, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to uh, most things, and anybody who's watched the show knows that I, <laughs> I, I tend to, to lean that way too. But And I agree with you, Mary. Not everybody who's a liberal wants to see the destruction of the city. So... Um, and she's got to get to the voting booth and she's got to vote these people out or run for yeah. office. You know, yeah. I'm liberal. Now how, now how liberal I am. I'm liberal for the constitution and the laws. I'm very liberal for them. You know, you know, what's funny is that that, that word has been hijacked. It's, it's uh, if you really thought about like what liberal means, it means uh, um, there's no, nothing against law enforcement in the liberals agenda. They just want uh, maybe uh, the laws to be a little, you know, give people a second chance. There's nothing wrong with that. But now it's been hijacked by the left and people are conflating the two. And it's it's not fair, really. I don't, I don't think there's anything left of, of liberals, like liberals that were like around in the 70s and the 80s. That's not, this is not the same person that is, is claiming to be a Democrat, you know? Correct. You're right with that. You're 100% with that. You know, one of the big things, though, is... Uh... They have this theory that they, you know, uh, the United States had the most people in the world in prisons. So their goal had become, when they took power now, is to empty the prisons. And they started in New York, at least they started with Rikers Island. And that is directly connected to bail reform, which is totally not working. Because if you commit a crime and you're not punished... If there's no teeth in the law, why would you obey it? You know, and as a result, this year shootings are up 111 percent, and murders are also up, also 111 percent. It was just put out by the Sergeants Benevolent Association. So I, I, that's intolerable. It's the wild, wild west again. There, there, there is no law and order. You know, they, they've made it. They've handcuffed the police. Now that's not to say that sometimes. You know, individual police officers have done something they shouldn't, okay? But, you know, everybody's a human being and everybody's life matters. And that's critical. It, you know, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, handcuffing the police and preventing them from doing the job because you can see the results. As you said, murder's up sky high. Shootings are up. Robberies are up. You know, there, there's, there is nothing to prevent this. And when you take down the barriers that prevent it, it's just going to get more and more chaotic. And you guys, the both of you, uh, running for sheriff, running for city council, I'm sure like you're sitting there as a resident and uh, it has to be part of you says, don't bring this stuff up here because you see it coming. 
You it's know? coming. That's the whole point. It's like, don't bring this stuff up here because you're going to destroy up here. We created almost like a sanctuary. We're, we're all happy here. We're living a nice life here. Um, and now you're, you're fleeing your stuff because you heard them breaking into the store downstairs from the high rise that you live in. And now you're going to come up here and destroy our place. Well, the, the crime has come up here. That's the problem. This bail reform has, has permitted the crime to come up here. And, and with ex governor's executive order 203, that's handcuffed the police. That's really put the hand, you know, the handcuffs on them. And, and law enforcement, some of them are afraid to do anything. And, you know, it's frustrating that as that is, it's understandable because the, the scales of justice, remember when we were all in the academy, everybody said, you don't want them swinging one way or the other. You don't want them going too far to nine or to three on the clock. You want them between five and seven. I'm not even sure they're on a clock anymore. There aren't any scales of justice. Well, you know, I think they've used the, the virus as an excuse as to why crime is going up. And in a lot of ways, that's a bad excuse because, first of all, there's not enough people out on the street to be victims now. You know what I mean? Wait till the people come back and the, with these same bail reform policies, then you're going to see crime ex explode through the roof. Because robberies are actually either down or just about the same because there's no victims out there. You know, when you put thousands of tourists out there, those are usually the people, at least in Midtown, that become yep. the victims of robbery, you know. Right. And I remember back in the 80s, the uh, commanding officer of the Manhattan Robbery Squad, which was the Borough Robbery Squad, said the robberies are so bad in Midtown that the, the robbers picked the, pick the tourists like, like wheat. <laughs> and he got transferred for that because he was saying that it's like you know, he's picking you wheat. <laughs> you know, what's also funny is that since you guys are up north, your restaurants are basically open. Your bars are basically open. I don't know what your curfews are or how many people you can let in. But you're almost normal over here. We're not. Yeah. We're not. There's no, you know, now he's thinking of changing the date. It was supposed to be a Valentine's Day to open up um, indoor dining again, 25%. These, you know, so you're kind of sort of back to your normal life. You you, you don't know what it's like in the city here to, uh, to, there's no, even the outdoor dining, these poor restaurant owners and all these, uh, these bars, they're all suffering, man. It's like- Blasio is just trying to destroy the city before he leaves. What has he got, eight, nine months left? He, he I mean this seriously, he's just trying to rip the heart out. He's trying to destroy it kill the business, make these uh, buildings all vacant. Yeah, but in all fairness, it was Cuomo who said uh, today, I read that he's, uh, he's debating the date now, whether it's going to be uh, the 14th. And then the kids going back to school, even if it's part-time, it's going to be the 25th of February. It's like, for crying out loud, man. Yeah, but we've had a lot of businesses, restaurants in particular, just fold up and, and you know board the doors and windows and just leave. They've gone out of business and it's had a real impact. Uh, you know, Bob's trying to deal with that running for the town council. How do you sustain, sustain rather the current businesses and how do you entice other ones to come up here? When, when do we see the sun rising a little bit on some of this so that people can make a living? You know, restaurant business isn't easy. These guys are putting in 12, 14, 16 hour days when, when things were, were good. What are they doing now? How do they? I know a, a very large business is going out of business. They can't pay. Their doors have been locked for almost a year. 
and they can't pay anybody. They're barely paying, you know, the heat and the utility bill. It's just crazy. Well, you know, Kevin, uh, one of our favorite bars, of course, in Manhattan was Coogan's, which was right next to Columbia Presbyterian. And he realized that in March, it's, it's coming up on a full year, this COVID thing. He realized he couldn't stay open because it cost him $20,000 a month to be closed. Right. That was what his closed costs were. So he was like, you know, he's, they were in that business for 30-something years, I think. He's 70 years old. He folded up the tent, you know. It, it's cheaper to do that. You know, yeah. you, at least you're saving a couple of dollars to pass along to your family. It's, it's insane. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, imagine it's uh, your closed cost of 20000 a month. What are they when you're open, you know? Incredible. That is. You know, he's talking his heat, his insurance, his liquor license. The liquor license, I, I don't know what. That's got to be big coin, a, a New York State liquor license. Oh, no doubt about that. I think the, you would think the leadership in Albany would say, hey, since we're not doing anything. Right, well, well we won't collect a fee this year. Hey, we're going to give you a little bit of a, uh, you know, a break here, you know? Yeah. No, I don't think he'll do that. Yeah. At the whiskey, hey boys, how are you? Do you agree with time that a cabal got together to bring down Trump? Are the Chai comms in control of the ship now? What the hell is happening to New York? I didn't read the article in Time magazine, but I, I would definitely imagine that there was some movement. It's it's obvious. Well, for me to read the article, I have to go in my bird cage and take it out of the bottom of the cage because that's the only way I'm going to be able to read it. So there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't read anymore. I couldn't. I can't. I can't even look at the uh, the theater section from the New York Times, thinking, "What's the what's the angle here? What are they trying to do? Why are they shutting this show down? Who's behind it? You know, everything is a is a conspiracy now at the New York Times. I don't buy it at all. That used to be the um, the backbone of journalism, and now it's shit. Yeah. I wouldn't trust a word coming out of it. They're starting to eat their own there now. I just read an article somewhere that they fired two guys. I, yeah. I read that. Yeah, I read that. But there was that, um, uh, I, I think her name was Barry Weiss, a yeah. female journalist uh, six months or a year ago quit because she said there was so much pressure when she disagreed with the politics of the times they were making up rumors about her. They were talking about her. They were basically putting the heat on her for her to quit. So she sent a two-page resignation letter that yeah. basically discredited the whole organization. You know, I don't think media doesn't exist today. It's it's just gone. You know, it's just crazy. There are rules that you learn in journalism school that are not being followed. Uh, you know, to have two. Um, you know, two different statements from people. That's uh, it's absurd. That's never followed now. Or well, a half is what you go on right now. Well, you used to have reporters that actually say, "You would take New York City for example." Even if they were to the far left, they actually grew up in New York. They lived in New York. They knew what was going on in New York. Their, their grandfather, their father, might have been a cop, a garbage man, or a fireman. So they could actually go to somebody in their family and say, "Listen, what's the real story going on here?" You don't have that anymore. You have these Ivy League people garage, and I'm not knocking these Ivy League schools. You can't have somebody that is reporting on the nit and gritty of New York that graduated from Harvard and, and lived in Nebraska. What do they, they know nothing about the heart of the city. They know nothing about Washington Heights or the Village or Bushwick or whatever. You know, it's they don't know that they don't know what's going on. 
you know, that, that same journalist I was talking about just wrote an article two weeks ago in the New York Post about 10, 10 reasons not about wokeness. Yes. Uh, and she's real. I mean, look, she actually lists herself politically as a liberal, but she is, is going against the mainstream when people just, you know, when people just, they take certain things and they just like the, this whole defund the police thing, thing. That's, that's being woke. Like think they can actually give the money to social services and that'll take the place of police. It just, it just, anyone that thinks that needs a head transplant, you know, that's not going to fix the problems. You know, uh, I like Michael Goodwin in the post. Mm -hmm. He's a great, um, writer I, I like to read his editorials his op-ed pieces they're they're really good they're spot on you know he had a really good report around what was the guy's name bill the guy um now he's uh, oh um that guy was great he was he's with cbs he, he does this uh 48 hours he was with the post he was murray, real, murray weiss murray weiss. Yeah, murray weiss the real new yorker you know exactly what you wanted out there you know just getting at the story, even if it was from a liberal angle, whatever, we would we would able to uh, read it through, disseminate it, and uh, it wasn't so, you know, if you're a conservative now or Republican, you're basically just, that just means reasonable. <laughs> it's reasonable now. That's it. I remember the New York Times, we're going back to 1988, 1989. They didn't like the police then. And we were at the cops... Midtown South guys weren't even allowed to use the bathroom in there, right? In the building, like say on midnight or quarter to 12. The only reason we were allowed to use the built the bathroom and then eventually go up to the cafeteria is one reason only. And you know what that reason was? They were getting yeah. robbed. That's there why. Exactly. That's exactly it. They, they were, were getting robbed the two blocks going to the train station. That's right. That was they a dangerous that. block they were yeah. on. I remember that. 43rd Street, 7th to 8th. Yeah. Yep. Rob, robbery yep. post one. That's why we were allowed to go in there. And we used to take the elevator up to use the bathroom or you know, to sit down and warm up, whatever. And you'd still get the dirty looks. The yeah. only people that actually liked you, I guess, I don't know what their names would be, the pressmen, the guys that work downstairs. The blue, the blue collar, collar the blue collar workers, right? Uh, as soon as you went upstairs, those people didn't like us. They didn't like yeah. us at all. Well, there was, there was a time the media would give you facts and then let, let you make your own decision, your own opinion. It doesn't happen now. They start out with an opinion and they write to satisfy their opinion and that's that's wrong that's where that's one of the places we've gone wrong among the many well you, you know too from uh responding to major cases that you would be there and like i used to write the report for the police commissioner to the to brief the police commissioner and i would see the article in the newspaper the next day and i was like were those guys at the same case i was at because yeah. this has none of the actual facts of what i you know what really happened you know you know that old saying, don't let the facts get in the way of a good <laughs> That's exactly true. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Mike Cologne, MC Audio, during an interview with Channel 4, a restaurateur told Laura Scala back in March that restaurants were the street lamps of a neighborhood. If the light goes out, the neighborhood goes dark. And uh, I agree with that. I definitely do. Yeah. A lot of neighborhoods going dark right now. Did you see also their, uh, they took away from the police department uh, enforcing the uh, the street carts, the hot dog carts and the vendors and stuff like that. Uh -huh. So they basically run uh, amok. There's nobody supervising there anymore. I mean, these guys are picking their toes and scratching their crotches oh, as it was, but now now nobody. There's no more uh, peddlers unit. There's no more homeless conditions unit. 
Uh, I don't even know if there's anti-crime anymore. I know they went. No, there, there is no more anti-crime. Yeah, so everything is, you know, it's just guys riding around in a police car. Hopefully, that's what I would do. I would just look straight ahead, you know. For um, some of our listeners that aren't from New York, uh, the NYPD for for at least forty years had a unit called anti-crime, and what anti-crime was was plain clothes officers that worked in a precinct in unmarked cars. And it was very, very effective. And they would target street robberies, assaults, guns, burglaries, things like that. Crimes that occurred on the street. And about three or four months ago, I think it was probably maybe six months ago, uh, they disbanded anti-crime. So the type of crime I was talking about before when a group of people go into a store and do a like basically uh, a robbery with 15 or 20 people, that's the exact type of crime. Anti-crime would be good at uh, surveilling and, and thwarting once they, they hit. They could grab them as they got into their cars or they could surveil them before they hit the location. But that unit is no longer so. Hey, Anna Celia Carrasso. Here, restaurants, the mall, stores, schools are open, but we cannot be in our grand, with our grandkids or visit family in senior homes or churches. She brings up an interesting point. I mean, the rules, uh, she's from Canada, by the way. And it sounds like the people who are in charge, especially in these, uh, what we call here in the States, blue states, I don't know what they call them in, in Canada. They seem to like be very power hungry. And they also seem to um, not be reasonable. On the, I'm just on, on, on the behest of trying to save lives. I don't, I don't know when neither nobody knows really how effective any of these things are, but you're killing lives at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know that the, the, to your point, Bill, they always say elections have results. You know, consequences. You mean consequences? Yeah. And um, when you when you prevent law enforcement from doing its job. That's going to have consequences. And you're right. We're just seeing the beginnings of that. We're into it for a while, but we're seeing more and more of it. You know, street vendors, the EDPs, the drug addicts, you know, the robbery teams and stuff. And it's just going to, it's going to blow up shootings. It actually breaks my heart to see that because, you know, I was, I came on the job in 1985 and I was part of uh, the whole, generations of the NYPD that, you know, they, they started Comstat and you saw crime drop 70%, the, the seven majors dropped 70% and I think it was 25 years. And now they're giving all of those gains up and it's starting to creep up and it's going up now for the past few years and all those reductions we had and all the quality of life and the money it brought to the city, the advertising, the real estate, the Broadway theaters, it's all going to go away because people are not going to feel safe and they're going to flee the city. All the big money is all living in the Hamptons and Montauk. And, you know, they all went to their second homes and they're living there right now. A lot of the New York City apartment buildings are empty. And moving to Florida. How many yeah. people move out and move to Florida? They, what was the old, um, the, the funny thing on Facebook? Cuomo's Florida's best realtor, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, what I want to say, uh, there's so many people that, are, that, why during the BLM riots were the bricks left on corners? Oh, that's from Trish Talks. Where are the cameras? We always talk about that. And uh, 
there was a, there was something else. Uh, I have a I have a I always think it's a conspiracy. I don't think those things existed. But there's so many comments. Uh, Arturo Martinez, anti-crime is now public safety auto. That's funny. That's what anti-crime is now, the public safety auto. You know, all these things come back and they come back on the different names and they come back to, uh, you know, uh, different administrations. It'll, it'll change, but the whole thing is, I don't know if New York City can get back, you know. Uh, you get back Third Avenue, and how it's, much of a beating can it take financially, with businesses being unable to operate, and then you know the resultant you know increase in crime, that, that's that's a twofer that we really never had before, you know. And also commercial real estate. I mean, these people are used to working at homes right now, in their homes. I know they probably don't want to be there right now. Yeah. I run. Uh, I'm going to say. 12 commercial buildings in Midtown Manhattan, the security, the front desk security. If, if these people can work at home for almost a year already, mm -hmm. they're not coming back. Why pay brick and mortar? All that's all, all that goes that goes with it. There's no more, there's no place to eat. You can't go out anymore. Uh, they're not coming back. And these 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 people are, are very wealthy. They're they're billionaires. And I work, I'm not gonna say the company's name, but they, they, the guy who's one of the largest real estate owners in Manhattan, his, his father and uncle survived the Holocaust. They were little kids, walked out, walked out of a death camp at 10 years of age. And this guy is an ultra bleak, you know, this guy is like OC supporter and thinks Biden walks on water. I, I, that I truly don't get. He's well, ripping his feet apart, no? You know what I don't get either is like the, um, the tax thing <laughs> with that shirt, tax the rich. If yeah. you have money, you know what I'm saying? They're coming after your money. And there's all these different angles. They're not coming after my money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My well, you know, Mark, that's not true. Because they always claim they're going after the rich. They're not. They're going after the middle class. Well, they always will be going after because the largest population is the middle class. When they say, we're going to tax the 1%, they're full of shit. They're well, going yes. after the middle class. Trust well, me. I know that. But the, I, I agree with you. It's a disguise. But then they yet they put numbers on what the tax thing is going to be and how much they're going to tax certain people at a certain point. And it, Mark, how do you think the one percent got to be the one percent? They're much smarter than you and me. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. You know, and the other problem is all those people moving to Florida. That that one percent that it's drifting downwards. Yeah, and we're rising up to be part of that. Yeah, they had so many stupid programs ready to get started. Like, and it's all attacking. The only, the only in, in, uh, thing they can come up with in New York City is attacking the drivers. Like, if you own a vehicle, they're gonna hammer you. If you're not using public, they're gonna hammer you. Um, that is the only thing they can come up with in their thing because they figure those are the privileged people that own a car. So we're gonna start giving. Mark, you if you noticed, even in the last five, ten years what it costs to register a car. It used to cost like 30 something bucks. Now it's like 160 bucks, I think for two years or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how did that happen? Like you, you turned your back and then all of a sudden it's uh -huh. a tax. It's a damn yeah. tax. The tolls on the Mario M. Cuomo bridge, you know, where's well, still the Tappan Z. It's called the Tappan Z always, but. So they got left. And then, you know what? If you don't have people from out of town coming through, driving through the city for whatever reason, 
that congestion pricing is not going to work really because New Yorkers are they're going to they're going to use the mass transit at some point. Well, Might as well use the train; it's free. But think about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is free. <laughs> to Bob's point, the brick and mortar—they don't need it anymore because what are they all going to do? All these businesses, just what we're doing tonight. You know, it, it, it's a very zoom. Yeah. You know, so they've they're prepared for that. You know. How well they survive is a whole other story, and for how long. But they they figured out a you know a workaround. So what happens to all those buildings now? The the city really will become a ghost town. Hey Joseph Freak says, hey Mark, I heard now that the Warrens that the Warren Squad says to the perps, let us know when you're ready to go. And <laughs> <laughs> basically making sure. And we used to have a, you know, meet them in front of court as well, too. Hey, you don't want to spend the whole day in there. I'll meet you in front of court. We'll get you, I'll get you in and out one, one, two, three. You know, I, I remembered we called the court one day and we said, that guy gave <laughs> you guys' name. He's wanted for murder. And some court EDP cop just like, you know, disregarded what I said. And I got there and he was like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I go, what do you mean? I, got, I had his name, the whole thing. I went to his lieutenant. As lieutenant started doing a tap dance, I said, forget it. We'll get him. We'll get him on another day, you know. But they let a murderer walk out of court. <laughs> yeah, You're not surprised, Kevin. You're not surprised. <laughs> no. I, look, at the, look at the crimes you can commit now, and you get an appearance ticket. And, we, and if you don't show, you have 48 hours to notify the court. Oh, I slept through that appearance. Oh, yeah. I had my alarm clock didn't go off. Yeah, I had a business meeting. I was burglarizing another house. You know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. You can't get a warrant for him. You, you promise you'll come in two weeks? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to be down there doing uh, some drug sales. So I think I can stop by. <laughs> Just crazy. Well, you know what? Before we go any further, let's mention our Patreon. If you've been tuning in tonight and you're a fan of the show, we'd love to have you. Uh, as one of our subscribers on Patreon, it's the way that we keep this stuff moving and, and going. There's expenses to it, believe it or not, even though, you know, Bill's got all that fancy equipment. He's got a new mic. He's yeah. got <laughs> looks like he's ready to land the F-22. Um, but we have a Patreon. It's uh, Police Off The Cuff uh, pa at Patreon.com. We have three different tiers. And uh, Bill, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. It's actually... Uh patreon.com slash police off the cuff we have three tiers the first tier is called the bucket that's seven dollars a month you don't want to be in the bucket though for nine dollars a month you get to polish my rack and i actually show my medals from when i was on the job i was racked up i used to say that to guys when they would say oh sarge you didn't you never did this and i'd say go get your gun cloth and some gun oil you can go polish my rack they didn't like that but that's how i put them in their place and then the premier tier the number one tier $11 a month dipped in butter. So whatever you want to dip in butter, join our $11 Patreon tier. And we even have a mug that says dipped in butter. Hey, Bill also does a show. Um, for, well, what does it mean to join the Patreon? Well, we have, it's like a wall, they call it. And behind the wall, we give you exclusive content. Not only are you getting these shows, but you also get, Bill has a true crime show that he does where they're breaking down uh past crimes with with highly decorated detectives and, and law enforcement and it's very very interesting he's getting a lot of hits on there i do you know, uh, mark i just actually found the um the brooklyn north homicide detective who had the emet sanguian case that was the john jay college student that was murdered 
by that bouncer, Robert Littlejohn in 2006. And he's going to talk to me on the 23rd. I'm really excited about talking to him. It should be pretty yeah, cool. That's, that's amazing. He's yeah. getting amazing guests on there. It's a true crime thing. People are big fans of true crime. I'm also doing a one-on-one -on -one show where I basically interview uh, people that uh, I'm friends with in the, in the, in the entertainment business, comedians, actors. And, um, you know, I ask him this question, uh, what did you ever want to ask a cop? Ask a cop now. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, most of the people that I that, that have, a, there's some level of fame to them and they've uh, reached some uh, celebrity status. These are piece of people that I'm introducing you to that are entertainers as well as big fan of law enforcement. And that's what you get behind the wall. And uh, before we go one more time, let's give it out for the best hot sauce in the world, Silk, Silk City Hot Sauce. And uh, you can find that at silkcityhotsauce.com. And they have so many different flavors. Bobby's Big Chipotle, Aztec, uh, Attack, Badass Jew, which I'm guessing is the best one because Jews know how to eat. Slurp, <laughs> Mango Madness, Climate Change, Maple Dragon, Killer Hot, and Ghost Whisper. That's at Silk City Hot Sauce. Enter the code OTC, which is for off the cuff. OTC for a 15% discount. Please help us out here. Any way that you can, we'd appreciate it. Um, and let's get back to our guest right now. So we were at the final closing right now. Uh, what could we say to people that, uh, what, could we, what could they look forward to, Bob and, and Kevin, um, as we build up towards this election in 2021 in November? Yeah, Kev. Spirited campaign, a campaign um, filled with ideas and um, missions that law enforcement will have to undertake in, in the coming years um, as the world changes and evolves and steady leadership at that, that will address problems and work with the community, elected officials and other law enforcement agencies to resolve them. Kevin, when the when the governor say slaps a, a a law or tries to some edict, I'll call it from him. For example, even like the Safe Act, a lot of the sheriffs upstate said we're not enforcing that, and he was pissed. But they said we're not enforcing that. That's not you know constitutional, and you're just making it a law in this state. What what? How can you fight back if you are the sheriff against unjust say edicts that come down from the governor? Well, our, our legislature here in Putnam, they passed a resolution uh, against that, that law. And it, to, to call it the safe act is it was just, it's just a lie. It was anything but. It really prevents people from defending themselves or being able and capable of defending themselves. Limited the number of uh, rounds they could have in a magazine and, and on and on. And what they did the Democrats at that point in time sweetened the pot and got Republicans and conservatives to vote for it by adding EMS and fire, you know, first responders to the assault, one uh, section of, of assault. They made it a felony if you assaulted them. You know, here it is, how many years later, seven, eight years later, they undid that by saying, oh, if you assault somebody, it's an appearance ticket and we're sorry. Um, I know that there's a court in uh, the Western District of New York that has struck down the constitutionality of that, the SAFE Act, specifically as it relates to 
the number of rounds you could have in a magazine. Well, Kevin, you know, you know what was ridiculous? Like here, I was a, a retired NYPD sergeant. I did 27 years. And now they tell me I can't carry my my 15 round uh, magazine because it, it flies in the face of the SAFE Act. I mean, how ridiculous is that? A trained law enforcement officer now has to get or can only carry, what, eight rounds or something like that? Or he's in violation of this yeah. edict. I won't even call it a law by this governor who's anti-Second Amendment. Yeah, nobody, I haven't seen too many uh, agencies that really were enforcing it. Um, it it's, it's absurd. It's beyond- well, to enforce it, you'd have to basically do an illegal search. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. Hey, you're licensed and you're carrying your weapon under the, under the terms of that license, your pistol permit. Hey, let me see how many you have in the magazine. No, right. no, you can't. No, thanks. <laughs> Hey, well, how, how would you enforce it? You enforce it after there's some kind of incident, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if you, you know, consent. I know one guy in uh, Columbia County gave consent to the state police, and and they found him with 11, 11 rounds in his magazine. I mean, there aren't too many firearms that are made that hold less than ten rounds. I, I mean, it's you were it would have ruined the entire industry. So that's why it's critical the Supreme Court comes out and, and strikes it down. The district court in Western New York ruled it unconstitutional, but that decision hasn't been published to the point where other courts are using it, right? It's silly. But here's an interesting thing too. Uh, I, I read this article, it didn't happen in New York, but it said uh, somebody, uh, I guess it was a police community or somebody that felt comfortable enough to fly a thin blue line flag outside their house. And then you had a neighbor, not from the block, but from a couple of blocks away saying, making a complaint and asking all the na- people in the neighborhood to uh, to complain as well, because she had a, um, a boyfriend or a person of color that she was in a relationship with and uh, it offended them. So what, what are we doing right now? First Amendment, it's silly, I mean, it's that's it just pales in belief that they would t- make a guy take a thin blue line flag down or a thin red line or thin yellow. You know, I mean, it's just he's he's showing his or her support for law enforcement. It's, if it offends you, don't look. How many times a day do we see things that offend us? How about the people in New York City that were outside dining, sitting eating their burger at lunch at like 12, 1230 and 10 feet away from a homeless guy decides it's a good place to take a dump. That's not offensive. That's not <laughs> unsafe. Not so but you're going to fly a flag and we're going to, you know, we're going to make a, you know, a Supreme court case out of it. it. It's the world is just crazy right now. It needs to get back in sync with, with reality. Bob, I see your daughter running in back. Is that your daughter that's running? That was my wife putting the charger. Oh. In. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we're almost at the end here. Bill, any parting words? No, I, you know, I just wish both uh, Kevin and Bob the best in, in this election. It's uh, it's tough being in law enforcement these days. And believe me, I feel for uh, the guys that are on the NYPD. And, you know, there was another thing that they lost 2,500 uh, police officers this year to retirement. And that's another one of their goals is to get the guys that have experience get them off the job so they can train these new cops 
to how they want them to be and they want them to do nothing. And that's basically what they're training them to do. I can't imagine being an instructor in the police academy. Like, what are you teaching these kids now? You know, it's just they have to take into consideration this new 54 page uh, basically the punishment uh, thing that CCRB and how is CCRB qualified to make legal recommendations or to punish someone on a legal issue? Can you, can you imagine trying to do a role play as an instructor in the academy? Mark the used state? to do that. <laughs> you, how, how do you do it today? You, you can't do it. You, everybody's offended. Everybody gets offended with everything. So hey, Kevin, could you, could you answer that about how does CCRB make a legal decision? That's a great question. How do they do it? I, I haven't gotten any phone calls today from any surgeons or, or top uh, doctors asking me about where they should cut and what blade they should use and what type of surgery they should perform. But Cuomo gave non-experts the, the mandate to come in, crack our books and say, look, uh, you know, what you guys, your deployment's wrong. The way you're treating the public is wrong. It, it just smacks of elitism. You know, they know better than we know. We're the guys out there all hours of the day and night. So it, it's just absurd. Instead of saying, hey, guys, get your stuff together. We want to, and where's the money from Cuomo to increase the training standards, to increase the quality of pay for police officers, to make sure you get a better rounded um, candidate for, for the, any type of law enforcement job. They're not doing that. They're, he's hitting less than low hanging fruit. And it's going to have a serious impact because people aren't going to take the job. And you know that the Asian uh, politician who's the billionaire, he tried to say he tried yeah. to say he wanted to make cops live in the city. And they said, hey, guess what? Yeah. You can't do that. that. They always try that. Yeah. The, um, before we go, Rebecca hit uh, Hicks says that she went on Silk City website and they wanted almost uh, 13 bucks to ship one bottle of uh, $10 hot sauce. And then uh, later, Cat in the Hat, Rebecca, I ordered, thought there was uh, no shipping. I ordered one of each hot sauce, so maybe add more. I would imagine that the cost of shipping, like everything else, is uh, what's, what's really driving everything these days. And um, I can vouch for the hot sauce. Say it's great. It's very tasty. And uh, if they're ten bucks a bottle, you won't maybe try two or three different types, and you won't have to pay for shipping. That's my recommendation. I'll talk to Jeff and see what he has to say. But in the meantime, hey Mark, sorry to interrupt. Can I give a shout out to somebody? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, both myself and Kevin were uh, just recently endorsed by uh, Ed Mullins in the in the SBA. Wow, Ed, Ed's a buddy of ours. Yeah, Ed's a good man and he's a friend, and I want to give him a, a shout out and kudos for that. And also, if any uh, any other uh, union members are out there, SP, uh, DEA, if Paulie's listening, or Patty Lynch, or John Flynn, or the captains or lieutenants, you know, uh, we we already got the letters uh, uh, asking you for endorsement. They're they're on your desk, so they're in somebody's office somewhere in there. Or in an email, just uh, take a look at it. We would greatly appreciate it, you know, because we're we're two cops. Uh, Kevin was a chief, and I was a flunky foot cop. So, you know, Bob, I, I was a super sergeant. I was a sergeant for 22 years, and I used to say there was a famous cop in the two three precinct named Lee Pactor. Oh, I know. He, he used to say, "You know why I'm not a chief?" And I'd say, "Why?" He said, "That damn sergeant's test." <laughs> for me, it was the lieutenant's test. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. He's a good man. Hey, Rebecca, I'm gonna Rebecca Hicks. I'm gonna talk to Jeff Levine, see what we can do about uh, shipping and get back to you at some answers. For those of you who tuned in tonight, I just want to say uh, thank you. Uh, I also want to say thank you to our, our guest, Kevin McConville, Bobby Hire, Bob Hire, and um, we wish you the best of the luck in the it's coming in November of 2021. So obviously that's a big gap. If you want to come back again and give it a final push, we're here for you. We'll be uh, back tomorrow. <laughs> let's do it again tomorrow. I wasn't hang up. <laughs> but yeah, we'll definitely give you a push, a final push. Uh, and it will help out any way that we can. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us, Tom. Guys, it was great having you. And you're, you're good sports. Not too many people can put up with the, the ribbing we give. <laughs> it's like nothing walking a football. So that's right. That's right. That's right. We enjoy it. We wish, you, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate and it. And all of the our, uh, live chat people, I'll get this uh, super chat button fixed. I don't know what happened. Uh, here I am. You know, I'm the guy. I'm the, I'm the brains behind the technology here. And believe me, I am not good at this stuff. So uh, I'll figure it out. Maybe if we had a younger guy. Mark, Mark can't figure this shit out either. We need like a younger guy, like MC Audio, who's 20 yeah, years yeah, old. He'd yeah. know how to do that, right? Yep. I'll have to bring him in as, a, as our technical advisor. All right. Thank you, everybody. All right, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. you very much. Thank you very much.